Be seated. I'd like to welcome all of you that are here as well as those that are joining us online. If you would turn to Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. One of the things that we find ourselves often dealing with is the struggles, uh, I think, that people have in life, and they really don't understand uh, the value of certain principles. And every so often, it is important for us to remind ourselves of certain things that I think some of you probably may know, uh, some of you may not know, some of you may not have heard it in this particular way. Uh, but I think it's important that we stay mindful of the supply that comes from church. Amen. And so uh, Matthew nine thirty six says, But when he saw the multitudes, uh, this is Jesus, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Amen. In society today, there is a huge uh, notion that church is not necessary, uh, that you don't need a pastor, that you uh, don't need certain things anymore, and there's a new season of, I think, with you know the internet and people believing that you know you don't know you no longer have to show up anymore, and I mean there's just a lot of strange things out there, and so over the next few weeks or so, we're going to hit some things that I think will help you to understand how to get the most out of your church life, if I can say it that way. And so it's interesting that when Jesus looked at the people, his response were they were like sheep without a shepherd. He didn't say without a prophet. He didn't say without an apostle. He didn't say without an evangelist. But he said sheep without an actual shepherd. And notice the characteristics. He said they fainted and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Let's go to Matthew 10. You can keep your finger there because we're we're coming back. Matthew 10, verse 40. Now this is in red, so this is Jesus speaking. He says, He that receiveth you receiveth me. He that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. So notice he's he's building a, a, a train here. He's saying that if you receive... If they receive you, then they're receiving me. And if they receive he that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. In other words, he's saying that it all goes up the line. There's, there's an importance of hierarchy. Then he says, he that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water, only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Now, notice in the name of a disciple or the name of a student, he says he'll in no wise lose your reward. So how many of you know there is a reward for being a disciple? There's a reward for being a righteous man. There's a reward for being a prophet, and they are different. And he begins to tell you that how you receive somebody will determine the reward that you get. And he says that even someone who brings a cup of cold water 
will receive a certain reward. Uh, you know, it, it's amazing to me how many people want to choose the cup they drink out of. They, they, they want to choose who brings it to them. And so in other words, uh, one of the things, for example, when we bring in uh, guest speakers, we never tell anybody uh, usually when that guest speaker is going to be here uh, unless their name is big enough that, that people won't spit it out. <laughs> because some of y'all will be like, oh, pastor's not going to be there or I'm not going to be there. Or, or I'm traveling and preaching somewhere and you think it's your opportunity to try to drive to where I'm preaching. You're disrespecting the anointing in this house as if God is not going to use someone else to give the word to you. So now what you're saying is God can't use anybody but me, and that's a lie. Are, are you understand what I'm saying? And, and people do this all the time where they, they, they have a disregard for the pulpit, and they try to have more regard for the person. So you don't choose which cup you drink out of. You have to trust that if you have a shepherd, the shepherd's going to bring somebody in. I'm not going to bring anybody in that's going to hurt the sheep. The sheep are, are my responsibility. I have to stand before God and give an account for every single one of the sheep. So I'm not going to bring anybody in who's not going to bring help to the sheep. But there's a lack of trust in my judgment when people don't understand that if I put somebody up on this pulpit, they have something to say. And I am fully believing that they will help. Are you with me? So, so a lot of people want to choose where the cup came from. Well, I don't know which cup this came from or who this came from, but this ain't so-and-so. Well, you're, you're losing your reward. You just lost the reward of the whole point of why uh, God will put different people in different places. And he said, how you receive somebody will determine how you receive the reward. Amen. How many of you want a reward? Amen. Just a couple of you. I get it. The rest of you like struggling. How many of you want a reward? Good. Then you better learn how to receive. Because what's the prophet's reward? You got quiet on me. You must, you must not know exactly what a prophet's reward is. Don't you think you should know? Yes, sir. See, <clears throat> what he's telling you is you can receive the same person in different ways. What's a husband's reward? A husband. All the things that a husband does. You know, it, it, it's, it's really funny to me. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> it's really funny to me how many times I've had to sit and speak to a wife who's complaining about her husband, but she treats him like he's a honeydew. And then she wonders why she doesn't get the husband's reward. See, it <laughs> if, if he's really your husband, then there's certain things he requires and or needs as a husband. Not as, a, not as the repair guy. When a repair guy shows up at the door to fix your refrigerator, you don't show up, you don't open the door wearing nothing but a bow tie, right? He's a repair guy. So then when you treat your husband like the repair guy, that's why nothing gets fixed. Now, if you treat him like a husband and you show up with nothing but a bow tie on and you say, now, baby, we do really need to get this refrigerator fixed. I guarantee you, he's you have his attention. <laughs> Men will say, you know, my wife, she, she's just a Jezebel. She won't listen to anybody. Well, that makes you an Ahab. Right. It's not her, it's you. 
You ain't got no backbone. Henpeck self. And because you have no backbone, she's had to take the responsibility of heading the house because you have absented your position. You don't treat her like a wife. <laughs> We're going we to have some fun today. <laughs> so then the challenge becomes that if you want the wife's reward, then you have to treat her as a and if you want a husband's reward, you've got to treat him as a. So why do we get that? We get that so clear, don't we? But yet and still, we don't understand. If you want the reward of a pastor, you better treat your pastor like. Not your buddy. Not your friend, your pal. Hey, you know, people crack me up and they're like, they'll call me Gene. I'm like, Okay. I'm not mad at you. You do what you want. But Gene can't help you. Gene might not like you. Pastor loves you. Pastor would die for you. Pastor would go to fight with you. See, it's amazing to me how many people don't understand certain principles that are very basic. In other words, when I take this pulpit... You're not going to see me in khaki shorts and a Hawaiian shirt. Well, does God care? Yes, he does. If he didn't care, why would he be so specific about how people served and how the Levites served and what they wore and the things? Why would he do all of that if it wasn't significant to him? And more importantly, even if it wasn't, to me, it's honorable to make sure that I have my best when I serve the best. Are, are you all are understanding? So, so what it becomes is honor. It, it becomes the, the place of recognizing where things become blurred. Th this is why things are changing in the world because honor is no longer present anymore. There, there's no more expectation uh, of honor. When, when you have a man playing Cinderella's uh, wicked stepmother and grandmother and all this other stuff that's coming out today that's indoctrinating our children into things that we should not be a part of. And you're watching Christians talking about, oh, how cute that is. Oh, how adorable he looks. What are you talking about? This is why the world is changing. We have not held the standard. And men are becoming a premium. And Christians... Biting off into it. <laughs> well, I just think people should live their life. I do too. But you live it without indoctrinating me. You live it without putting it into the movies that my kids are going to watch to indoctrinate them. If, if you're, if it, listen, let's be, let's be real. If your sexuality doesn't matter, then why do we flaunt it in movies? Why do we accentuate it in everything we see, but then when you want to address it, it shouldn't matter. If it don't matter, then don't. We ain't got to know. That's not necessary. Never mind. I'm getting off that. No, nah, because I don't know who I'm talking to right now. So when he says, whoever gives a drink shall no wise lose a reward. Do you realize that even in your service, if you were to just bring a cup of water, you in no wise lose your reward. In other words, there's a reward for just doing that. 
People think, well, I, sh- I, I, I have an anointing to preach. Yeah, well, we don't need your anointing to preach. We need your bring a cup of water anointing. And there's a reward for that. There's a reward for how you deal. <laughs> I thought this was going to go over a little bit better, but that's okay. Psalms 23, verse 1. Can you put that in the Amplified, please? Psalms 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? Notice what he says. The Lord is my shepherd to feed, to guide, and to shield. That's the job of a pastor. To feed, to guide, and to shield. If you ever wonder what your pastor's job is, wonder no more. It says nothing about sweeping the floor, washing the toilets, <laughs> opening the doors and shutting the doors. And it says nothing about that. The shepherd's job, he has three things he's supposed to do. To feed you, to guide you, and to shield you. Feeding you the word of God, which is the number one thing. And, and how many of you know, when you don't have enough time to cook properly, you know the food don't. But when you have time, when you're not worried about how the church is going to get cleaned and how this is going to happen, you have more time to get into the word to get the food ready. So that when you show up to eat, you don't eat till you get full. You eat till you get tired. Are you understand what I'm saying? So then, if the job is to feed you, then that's the number one thing. You know what the second thing is? To guide you. And people, well, I don't want to be told what to do. And that's why you end up in places you shouldn't be. Because now, if a shepherd wants to really guide you and tell you, don't do this, you might want to think about that, I wouldn't go down this road, I would not be this way, you know, y'all, now you're like, well, he's just always in my business trying to tell me what to do. I'm grown. I'm going to do what I want. Yes. And then when you get off into the local weed and start acting crazy and to shield you, I shall not lack. Notice that if the Lord is your shepherd and you have a shepherd, who feeds you, guides you, and shields you, then the end result of that is there's no lack. See, I'm often amazed at how many people have tons of lack and don't realize they have no regard for the shepherd. They, they think the shepherd shows up to preach and they don't have to show up. Oh, I'll just catch it on the, on the podcast. Oh, I'll just, you know, it doesn't matter. Sure it does. What, what, what kind of shepherd shows up and no sheep show up? Because <laughs> trust me, if you show up as a shepherd and no sheep show up, you are not a shepherd. You're simply a man taking a walk. Are, are you? <laughs> look, look, at, look at verse uh, 2. He makes me to lie down. In fresh, tender, green 
pastures. You know what green pastures is? is see, because we live in Arizona, we don't really understand green. Um, but everywhere else in the world, they get green. And the more lush something is, the more green that it is. You know what green represents? An abundant supply. In other words, your shepherd will lead you to places that have an abundant supply for you. Then notice he says, he leads me beside still waters. See, you know, a lot of people don't have peace. Nothing's calm. Nothing is still. Nothing is restful. And that's because they're struggling with their leadership. They're struggling with connecting to the supply. If you receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, you get a righteous man's reward. If you receive a shepherd or a pastor in the name of a shepherd, then you get the shepherd's reward. Is there a bunch of little clicking going on? Is that? What's the problem, y'all? Work it out back there, guys. Work it out. So he makes me to lie down. Did you know there's a, there's a, uh, a rule, a law, that's on most books in most states that if you see an animal laying beside a brook or a river, you cannot shoot it. <laughs> I need you. That's a revelation grenade. He leads me. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, leading me beside still waters. You can't, you are, it's illegal to shoot an animal that is laying beside the waters. Because the assumption is that animal is there because it's not well or there's something missing and it needs help. So they're considered protected. You wonder why Satan keeps capping you? Every chance he gets? Licking off shots? Every chance he gets? See, when you are led beside green pastures and set by still waters, God says you can't shoot them. You cannot attack them. That's why they have a peace that surpasses all understanding. That's why they have a supply that just seems to run, not run out. That's why they're able to continue on. Every time Satan has a plan, he's like, let me pull you away. Because if I can get you away from the still waters. <coughs> Verse 3. He refreshes and he restores my life, myself, my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness, uprightness and right standing with him, not for my earning it, but for his namesake. Look at verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the deep sunless valley of the shadow of death, I will fear or dread no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The shepherd's rod and staff have on it's it's one it's a rod and a staff it's one thing and at the top of it is the hook and at the bottom is the walking stick it's all one piece and so the staff and and rod is representative of like it says to protect you and to guide you because you know what you do when 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 the sheep go off that's what the hook is for see if you run up on a sheep they'll take off you violated their personal space. But see, when you have a staff, you can reach out 
without coming anywhere too close to them and hook them before they take off. That's the whole point of the rod and the staff. It's to bring leadership and direction. It's to bring authority and control. It's to not let you get off onto the cliff where you get too close and slip off and fall or break your neck. See, and this is why when you see Jesus, because, you know, you, you, everybody loves that picture of Jesus with the lamb around his neck. And they're like, go and get the one and come back. Boy, I, every sloppy sinner says, you know, you got to go after the one and bring them back. Nobody realizes there's a reason why that lamb is around his neck. They can walk. Or can they? <laughs> because what they would do is when a sheep ran off like that, they would hobble the sheep. In other words, they'd break its leg. So they couldn't do it again for a while. You want to know Why? <laughs> Because other sheep follow. <clears throat> so we got to break this habit now because this is why when you get certain people in the church, they get off into their own little things and start talking bad about the church. Then they want to get around other people and start saying the same things. And because sheep are, they're not very good uh, followers of the right things. They'll follow just about anything. And so now you got a whole bunch of cubs running around saying, spouting the same nonsense that they've been spouting. So you break their leg. Throw them over your shoulders and bring them back home. Well, pastor's too rough. Are you sure about that? Because if my job is to keep you alive, my job is to keep you healthy, my job is to keep you wealthy, my job is to keep you wise. And to me, there is no such thing as too much if you're trying to protect, to feed. I ain't never seen anybody go to, go to a, a buffet and go, there's too much food in here. Watch what it says. Verse 5. No, wait, let's go back to verse 4. He said, I rod and the staff, you know what they do? They comfort me. Not they make me angry. Not that I, I wish he stopped telling me what I'm supposed to do and how I'm supposed to live my life. I just want to do my own thing. And I just don't understand why. And he doesn't talk to me. He, just, he didn't mind his business. You do you, Pastor, and I'll do me. Get on my nerves. He said the rod and the staff, they bring comfort to know that somebody actually is going to tell you the truth, even when you're acting crazy. <laughs> That's why when people say, you know, they'll say like, you know, kids, they just want to do what they want to do. No, you know what? If you really pay attention to kids, kids like structure. They don't really like having to figure it out on their own. They want to know the boundaries. You know what I mean? They just want to know. You know how kids are. You tell them don't touch something, they're like. <laughs> they want to know. And if you don't respond correctly, they'll be 15. And 20. <laughs> Never mind. Let's go to five. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my brimming cup runs over. Two issues here. Number one, 
Uh, have you ever noticed that people really do like for you to read this at funerals? Yeah, well, this has nothing to do with being dead. Listen, if you're in heaven, what enemies do you have in heaven? So then how can you set a table before you in the presence of your enemies when there ain't no enemies up there? That has to be here. That he said he'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. That's the result of having a shepherd. That now God is able to set the table right before those that talk bad about you. Right before those that ain't got nothing good to say about you. Right before those that have been hating on you since the beginning of time. Right before those that have had every single thing negative to exploit about you. Right in front of their face. God will redeem the time. God will turn the situation right before their very eyes while they're in the midst of hating. He said, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. You don't think God knows how many ounces are in a cup? Does anybody know how many ounces are in a cup? Eight. You don't think God knows that? So why make it run over? Because <laughs> anybody can fill the cup. But only God can keep it going. till it starts hitting everybody and everything around you. So my cup just brims and runs over. Look at Ephesians. Ephesians 4, verse 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high... He led captivity captive, and he gave what? He gave gifts unto men. So listen, because there's a group of people that think it's just JC and me. All I need is Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. I don't need a church. I don't need a pastor. I got Jesus. Lies. Jesus is not operating as a shepherd. He gave gifts unto men. When he ascended, he didn't take the gifts with him. Why? Because the gifts are here to edify the church. They don't need them up there. Anybody need a pastor up there to get your mind right? You need a pastor. You need a shepherd. You need church. So he says, he who ascended up on high, led captivity captain, gave what? Unto men. What, what gifts would those happen to be? Now he that ascended, what is it but that he descended first into the lower parts of the earth? Keep going. He that descended is the same also that ascended far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave, here's the gifts. He gave some, 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 and some. Those are the gifts. So then to say, now remember Old Testament, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. They give you the complete definition of what a shepherd does. The challenge is, Jesus is not your shepherd. Here. You're supposed to have a shepherd. James tells us he's the chief shepherd. Which means that every shepherd should have a shepherd. <laughs> Keep going. Here's the reason why the gifts are still here. 
Because this is where people miss it. They think, well, Jesus is in heaven, but he's still alive. Yes, he is, but he's the high priest. That's right. He is our high priest. Amen. But the gifts stay here. The reason why the gifts stay here is for this reason. For the perfecting or for the maturing of the saints for the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body in Christ. Uh, so, or for the body of Christ. So now, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ for the work of the ministry. So now who's supposed to do the work of the ministry? The body of Christ. Okay. Y'all, y'all, this open book test. For the perfecting, the maturing of the saints, for what purpose? So if there's any work the ministry's supposed to do, who's supposed to do it? The saints, which is the body. Yes? So the shepherd is supposed to feed guide and shield right right. (laughs) i'm I'm gonna hit you with shield a little bit later because i'm not sure you're ready for that one just quite yet so we'll we'll get you there though keep going till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of god unto a perfect man unto the measure of stature of the fullness of christ so then what do we measure ourselves against that's why the Bible says those that measure themselves among themselves, that bunch is not wise. And that's why you see so many things going on in the world. They're measuring themselves uh, amongst themselves. Right. Well, you know, if they're not hurting anybody, what does it matter? Okay, did you hear anything about Christ acting this way? Because the measure is not. Because people do that with sin. They're like, oh, at least I ain't bad as sister so-and-so. Okay, that's how we live our life? Measuring ourselves against ourselves? That's why the Bible says that bunch is just not wise. The measure we live towards is the stature of Christ. So until all of you walk on water, I still got a job. Job security. (laughs) Verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the, by the slight of men, the cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to do what? Deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head even. So Christ's body was here. But he is not the body. The Bible says he's the head. That's right. You are the body. That's right. So then if you are the body, then you have a responsibility to function in the part in which you are in. That's right. Jesus didn't take these gifts with him. He left them here and then gave them to different individuals. Some pastors, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some teachers, for what? They're gifts to you. Now, if you treat the gift like a fruitcake that you got on Christmas, you know, the one you kept wrapped and you gave it to somebody else? Because you regifted it because you just didn't want it. How do you treat the gifts? Because if you know the gift is for you, if you know that Jesus said the last thing I'm going to do, look at John 14. 
John 14, verse 16. You can't get saved without Jesus. I am not trying to mitigate or diminish the role. I'm trying to help you to understand where he is. His position is over all of this. But before he left, he gave gifts unto men in order to help you. So when you think you can go straight and skip the help that he left, he obviously left it for a reason. To help you. So when he's looking over the people, he's like, these are people without a shepherd. They're scattered. He said they're, they're, they, they faint. <laughs> you know what a faint is? Faint is giving up in the middle of where you're supposed to go. It's fainting. Anybody ever seen a fainting goat? We used to have a video back there of a fainting goat. But the first time I ever saw one, a friend of mine had a, 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 a fainting goat. And his son came and he says, you want to see something cool? I said, sure. He goes, watch this. And he runs up on his goat and the goat locks up and falls over. And I'm like, oh, snap. I'm like, he going to be all right? He goes, watch, just wait. Just a few minutes, he starts moving, gets back up, starts walking again. He runs up on him. <laughs> and some of you wonder why you ain't getting the victory. Uh, Every time Satan pops up. <laughs> Jesus said they, they were like sheep without a... Watch what he says, verse, uh, uh, John 14, verse 16. He says, I'll pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be where? I will not leave you comfortless. Where are you going, Jesus? I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while... The world seeth me no more, but you see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Where is he going? See, the gifts were left here for you. That's how this all works. And so the point of leaving you the gifts is so that they're present to help you get to where God is trying to take you. This is why the Bible says that when you are dealing with those that are over you, let them do it with joy. Or it's unprofitable to you. Because, you know, here's the thing. You know how people say, uh, uh, you know, they quote Luke 6.30, I believe it's 8 and 9 where they're talking about, uh, 38 and 9, where they're talking about, you know, God will cause men to give unto me, press down, shaking together, and run it over. What if nobody likes you? No, seriously. What if you got one in person? I'm just keeping it real. I'm just, that's why you're struggling. The Bible says Jesus grew in favor with God and with man. No, you walking around just as abrasive as can be attitudinal as can be, not walking in love, and wonder why your faith don't work, because faith worketh by love. And that's where your shepherd's there to go, you know what I'm going to need you to do? I'm going to need you to serve over here. Why over there? Because you're going to keep rubbing up against people until we knock these edges off of you. Well, why do you keep asking me to do stuff I don't want to do? Because you don't want to do it. 
<laughs> well, I, I think I'm called to preach to the nations. You can't even preach down the street. So here's what we're going to do. The one thing you don't want to do, I need you to do that for a little while. Well, I can't stand it. Great. Do it. I just don't understand why. I just keep doing it. Because what am I waiting for? I love this. And then when I come and say, can I get you to do something else? You're like, I'll do it, sir, but I really enjoy doing this. That's when I know it's time for you to move. <laughs> because we have broken you out of. See, breaking horses ain't easy. Breaking people is even harder. <laughs> because you know how y'all get. Because see, you used to being in the world. The world's full of rebellion. So you're used to being in. This is, this is why. Uh <laughs> see, the world is, is all rebellion. I mean, you know, this is why you can sit around a water cooler at work and talk bad about your job. Never mind you even thinking that that's what pays you. Because you could care less that that's what pays you. You talk all kinds of smack about your boss, about your job. I hate this place. And the place hates you too. <laughs> but how disrespectful can you be to take somebody's money and talk about how much you hate something? Well, I was just praying that God would move me on somewhere else. No, you grow legs and walk away. Don't put it on God because you acting a fool. No, think about it. To sit around, take a paycheck. How disrespectful could you possibly be? I'll put it in a different context because some of y'all looking at me all funny, strange. Like y'all about to get in some local weed. <laughs> so I'm about to pull my hook out and snatch you in a minute. How many of y'all parents? Raise your hand, your parents. Okay. So your child comes home and says, I can't stand it here. I hate this house. I can't do what I want to do. I, I just. Why y'all all making that face? But then you go to work and do the same thing. Because I know what you're thinking. You're going to come in this house that I provide. Tell me I'll never give you nothing. You want to see something I give you? I'm like God. Let there be light. You never give me nothing. Watch this. Let me turn the shower on for you. See all that water coming out? Happy birthday. Watch the stove. Watch the stove. <laughs> Feliz Navidad, baby. <laughs> but yet and still, you have the audacity. And so you're so used to that, that then you come into the church. Where there is structure, and you spit out the structure... Because you don't want to be told what to do. I had somebody message me and say, why don't you preach about what was happening in the election? I said, why don't you mind your business? I, I have never thought that I work for you. No point in time did God say, uh, 
Gene. Yes, Lord. You don't work for me anymore. I'm not coming because y'all use hand sanitizer. Watch your hands, you filthy animal. If that's what keeps you out of church, then we will use hand sanitizer for the rest of our lives. Cash me outside. How about that? See, what I'm trying to get you to understand is because people are in rebellion, they bring that nonsense into the church. Look look at a... (laughs) Yeah, you ain't ready for that. Yeah, you ain't going to handle that one either. Well, Romans 14, verse 1. Romans 14, verse 1. Put that in the Amplified for me. Please. Amplified classic. Uh, Put in the NLT. There it is. Accept other believers who are weak in faith, but don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. You know what that tells you? You bring all new people in. Anybody new? Look, come on in. But all your disputings and all that stuff, check it at the door. Because they hate structure. Jezebel hates structure. They hate having a boss they got to report to. They hate having a ministry leader they got to answer to. They want to talk directly to the pastor. And they're very sweet to the, oh, pastor, we, I love you. You are so awesome. You are great. Oh, and the pastor's wife, oh, you're so beautiful. You're so wonderful. But then when they deal with their leader, they can't submit to the structure. That's why I said, look, all the new people, bring them in. Those that are weak in faith, bring them in. He said, but we ain't going to argue about what you think is right or wrong. Because you're in my house now. I'm responsible. God doesn't wake y'all up in the middle of the night and ask what's going on with so-and-so. God don't get after you and say, I need you to teach this and this and this because so-and-so and so-and-so is dealing with this. He don't do that to you. When you stand before him, you will not have to give an account for all of this. So then what you think is right and wrong doesn't matter. (laughs) That's why the, 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 the Korah came against Moses. And the first thing Korah did, because watch this, is the spirit of Jezebel. When he came against Moses, what Korah did was he didn't come directly at Moses. He went and got some of Moses' leaders and convinced them first, and then all of them came. We think, no, we didn't think that. You thought it. Other sheep followed. Now the earth's about to swallow all of y'all up. People don't talk to me about my pastor. They don't have nothing negative to say. You want to know why? Because they know I'm not hearing it. They know I'm not going to sit down and entertain. Oh, Tell me what the problem is. What, 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 what did they do to you? No, no, no. Miss me with that. Matthew 18 tells you, you got a problem with him, you go right to him. And you talk to him about it. But don't come tell me as if I'm on your side because I'm not. But you know, a lot of people aren't safe like that. 
Because <laughs> some of you, you'll listen. How do I know you listen? Because you come tell me what it is. Oh, so-and-so feels that, you know, you need to put a different type of toilet paper in the bathroom. And the whole time, oh, you know what I'm thinking? Why does so-and-so feel so comfortable with you to come tell you things about me? <laughs> Cricket. <laughs> Where are we at? Romans 14.1. child. Things are going to get easier. <laughs> Things will get brighter. <laughs> John 10, 27. You ready? John 10, 27. It amazes me how fast time flies. <laughs> John 10, 27. Who's, who's praying that this clock moves faster? Which one of y'all doing that? <laughs> Look what he says. My sheep hear my voice. He said, and I know them. And they follow me. See, it's important for you to begin to understand something. That you ever heard of yodeling? Okay. The reason why they yodel is that's a call for the sheep. That's a call because sheep have very poor eyesight. Very poor eyesight. So in other words, I could put on the shepherd's clothes. And the sheep probably wouldn't know that I was or was not the shepherd. So all sheep herders have a unique identifiable voice so that when they call for the sheep, the sheep will come running because they know his voice. That's why Jesus said there's other voices. He said, but my sheep know. He said, in the voice of another, they shall not follow. <laughs> See, when you begin to understand that, that tells you, that there's a lot of times different voices that are trying to woo the sheep. But your true sheep, they know your voice because that's how they're trained. They know your sound. And no one else, no matter how much they can imitate, they can never duplicate because it's unique to you. This is why it becomes so important for us to begin to realize that when he says, he that receiveth me, receives him that sent me. He to receive you receives me. And he begins to go in the name of a prophet. You know what name means? It, it's, it's a nomo. It's a nomo is the Greek word. It means their name, their character, their rank, and their authority. So in other words, if you receive a righteous man, that's just a righteous man. See, the righteous man is the one you want to go fishing with. Hey, pastor, can we go fishing together? Probably not. Well, why not? Just want to get to know you. You don't need to know me. You need to know my office. Because not everybody can handle knowing me and still, re and still regard and respect the office. Because the problem is that once you know me, you disregard the office. Now you've got a righteous man's reward and not the pastor's reward. And I'm trying to help you. You need the pastor's reward. I remember with my pastor years ago, I remember we... One time, it, it was so distinct to me and so vivid. We, we were playing um, NFL 2K on PlayStation. And we were playing, and all of a sudden, his phone rang. And he had an you know, earpiece, so he hit the earpiece, and he's like, hello? And his whole voice changed. It, it's so bizarre. And he started talking, and, it's, and it, was, it was one of the sheep, one of the congregation members. And they were having a problem. 
And I mean his voice. Now listen, we had just got finished talking smack about who's going to win. See, I've always had the unique ability to have access but never lose. I could shift very quickly. So we could be in PlayStation mode and I could switch back into pastor mode and, and understand that's my pastor. I've always been able to do that. So I'm like, wow. And he's talking. And, you know, by the time it's all said and done, he's helped them through their problem. They feel better. He gets off the phone, and it's like, click. I'm spanking you now. Come on. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it taught me something. It taught me that what people don't understand. Uh, Jean, Eugene Lloyd wrote a book called Preachers and Preaching. And in this book, they asked him, and he wrote in this book about people who asked him, who is the best preacher you've ever heard? And he responded and said, I cannot tell you who the best preacher is. He said, what I can tell you is some of the best preaching I have ever heard. And, and so they're like, well, what do you mean? He goes, to say who the best preacher is, I got to go home with them. I got to study their house. I got to study their life. He goes, I can't tell you who the best person is. He said, but the gift and the person are not the same. So when I hear them preaching, that's their gift. Because that's when people say, oh, pastor, we, we love you. We sure appreciate you. We value you. No, you love the gift. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Because the gift came from Jesus. <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with loving the gift. But quit trying to bypass the gift. To get access that no one wants to give you. Because you'll sacrifice the gift. First <laughs> um, Timothy 4, 12. It's interesting to me how Paul is writing to Timothy. And he says, let no man despise thy youth. Or in other words, let no man despise who brings the cup to him. You know, it, it's funny how, you know, for example, I, I watch different things, right? Because I'm, I'm very astute. I pay close attention. So when my wife preaches, I can see a lot of the men kind of turn off a little bit. And the women turn it up a little bit. Now, now listen to me. I want you to hear what I'm saying. There is no question in my mind that she is anointed and gifted. None whatsoever. But I watch how people regard where the cup came from. So, so the ladies are like, oh, my God, she's preaching. Oh, my God. You get a car. You get a car. You get a car. And I watch the guys. They're like. Both responses are incorrect. Because now you're looking at the cup. Who brought the cup. And not realizing. See this is why we don't do a lot of separating the men from the ladies. and stuff. The word works. I have never heard anywhere in the Bible of a women's group. We're going to take the men out for breakfast. The word works for everybody. 
regardless of your race, regardless of your color, regardless of your creed, regardless of... <laughs> so, so then, you know, let's go back. People say, oh, is pastor preaching today? I don't think so. There's somebody else standing up there. Man, I could have went somewhere else. You just disrespected the gift that came from. Say it with me. You just respected the gift that came from. So then you just disrespected. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, move, I'm a move. No, I'm not either. So <laughs> this is why he told him. He said, don't let any man despise your youth. I've had people ask me, how old are you? None yet. <laughs> old enough to know better not to answer that question. How about that? Well, I just, you're younger than me, so? <laughs> what, are we, what are we doing here? This is why he said, no, let no man despise thy youth. But do what? Be an example of the believers in word and conversation, charity, spirit, faith, and purity. Don't let nobody despise your youth. Just because you're young, don't let them come at you for that. I trained you up personally. I put what's in me inside of you. You've earned this spot. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 16. Put in the King Jimmy... Actually, for the sake of time, put in the, in the new LT. No, put in King James. And then we go to uh, NLT in just a second. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the what? Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth we know him no more. Put in the NLT so it'll make a little bit more sense. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. I've had people who have struggled with my authenticity. If I was a Caucasian pastor, they would be like, oh, I, I can hear what he's saying. Because they struggle inwardly with prejudice. I've had people struggle with my age. <laughs> you know why? Because they evaluate from a human point their humanity. And not from what the anointing is doing. That's why I said, you'll know why I lose your reward. Anybody brings a cup. See, because you keep looking at the cup and who brought it. You're going to miss the word. I've had, I've had people who have uh, come to me and say, I want you to be my spiritual father. I'm like, okay. And then, but I, and, or a woman. And she'll say, but I have a spiritual mother over here. Okay, well, she's a spiritual mother. What are you talking to me for? Well, you know, I just, I need a father and a mother. According to whom? That's like you going to your mama, your, the one that gave birth to you, you know, your mama. And saying, I, I think I, I'm cool with dad, but I'm going to need another mama. If I'm your spiritual dad, guess who your mama is? Well, she's young. She's this. She's you still regarding who brought you the cup, eh? Never mind the fact you're thirsty. Never mind the fact you have a need. <laughs> we, 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 
We're going to be okay, y'all. See, it, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Yes, sir. First Corinthians 5. Verse 1. Second Corinthians 5, verse 1. Y'all done wasted 56 minutes of my time, y'all, so I got to get it back. You ready? No, I'm kidding. You haven't wasted my time. Some of you need to hear it. All of you need to hear it. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. And such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles. In other words, he said, there's fornication among you, right? And I want you to hear this. He says, but I'm not talking about the kind of fornication that's among the, the, the heathens. He said, this type of fornication is such that one should have his father's wife. In other words, he wasn't just fornicating, sleeping around like the world does. He's sleeping with his daddy's wife. Not his mama, but his daddy's wife. He says, now, even the world don't do crazy stuff like that. Ready? And ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that have done this deed might be taken away from among you. In other words, you know what's wrong and it don't make you sad. You're okay with some man with a beard dressed up like Cinderella's grandmother in a skirt and it doesn't grieve your spirit at all. Doesn't bother you in any way. I just feel like to each his own. It's something on the inside of you should say yeah I'm, mm. he said you're puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that has done this deed might be taken away from among you keep going for I verily as absent in body but present in spirit have judged already as though I were present concerning him that have so done this deed. In other words, I just call it wind of it. I'm not even there. And I got a problem with it. And I'm telling you right now, this is what y'all are fitting to do. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you gather together and, and my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of his flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, note, now two things I want you to understand. Go back. Verse uh, 4. He says, when you're gathered together in my spirit, he's not there. Listen to me. He's not there. Oh, pastor's not preaching today? I'm going home. Just because I'm not there doesn't mean my anointing. What do you regard? <laughs> he's not even there. He says, when y'all gather together, my spirit's there with you. Keep going. To deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of his flesh that his spirit may be. Now, <clears throat> keep going. I'll come back. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leavened the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. 
Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, rather with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. <coughs> keep going. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to accompany with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this uh, world or with the covetousness of extortioners or idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. But now I've written unto you not to keep company of any man that is called a brother. Any man that is called a brother. Any man that is called a brother. So now here's what he's saying. Well, let me finish it. Covetous, idolater, railer, drunkard, extortioner, with such a one know not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within, but them that are without? Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Notice what he's saying. He's saying, because you know, you know, don't judge me crowd, right? I don't, I don't feel like it's right. Don't judge me. Listen, if you're a believer, he said, if you're outside of the, uh, of the family, God will deal with that. He said, but if you're in the family, you're expected to act a certain way. And if you're going, not going to act that way, then he says, you don't have privileges or rights as a believer until you get it together. He says, I'll deal with the ones inside. That's under my germane of power. My authority works in that. He said, but the people on the outside, God will judge that. But my job is to deal with those that are in here. So then if it's conduct unbecoming of a Christian, people are like, well, can't you just give them a pass? Not until they repent. But here's the thing I wanted you to understand. Ready? What's the three jobs of a pastor? To feed, guide. Okay, let's go back to shield now because I think you're ready to hear it. <laughs> Maybe. We hope. <laughs> we pray. Why would he need to put this man out of the fellowship? He tells him. He says, turn him over to Satan. What? For the destruction of his flesh. For the saving of his soul. So he wasn't turning him over to Satan to die and be killed by Satan and to die in hell. He turned him out of the church. So that Satan could continue to do what Satan wanted to do until he repented and came back. Then there must be a protection in the church. Go back to verse 4. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together and... With what? So are you telling me that when we gather together, <laughs> my spirit, my anointing, is what he's saying, and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ shields you from certain things. You mean to tell me there are fights and battles that you don't have to fight 
But see, you, don't, you think you can go any church. It doesn't matter. You don't care. I can go anywhere. It, it just doesn't matter. You, no, it matters. It matters what church you go to. It matters what you're connected to. Because the anointing that is present... And so there must be a protection by being in the church. If he said, put them out. Why? So Satan can now do whatever he wanted to do, hopefully with the understanding that this guy won't let it go too far and come back and repent, which, if you know church history, he did. So now he's recovered from the snare. Well, that just doesn't seem fair. We should love them until they get it right. <laughs> he wouldn't change. He wouldn't repent. He said, you got to turn them over. Let Satan work on them. <laughs> Once Satan get through with them, he'll see it. He'll come back. You better know where you're connected to matters. I'll, I'll give you a couple more and then I'm, 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 I'm done. You ready? Um <clears throat> Go to, um, go to, oh God, you ain't ready for that. <laughs> we'll do that next week, <laughs> maybe. Okay, Luke 6.39. Luke 6.39. I have seen, I'll, I'll preface this by saying it this way. I have seen churches where the shepherd and the leadership all struggle with sickness and disease and everybody in the church struggles with sickness and disease because they won't talk about it. They won't preach healing. I've seen churches where the, somebody gets a divorce in leadership. Maybe it's the pastor, maybe it's somebody in higher up and they don't deal with it and address it and all of a sudden divorce starts running through the church. Whatever is at the top will come through the church. That's why it's important what is being preached. Church that won't teach prosperity is denying a part of the gospel. A church that won't preach healing is denying a part of the gospel. And so when you see people growing, I cannot tell you how many people have said to me, Pastor, we used to go to this church, we went here, to this, that, blah, 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 and we came here, and all of a sudden things are changing. And it's not because of me, it's because the gospel, the full gospel. Are you ready? So now watch this. And he spake a parable unto them, can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall in a ditch? Can the blind lead the blind? Yes. What happens? They both fall in a ditch. So they can lead each other, right? Just not successfully. So what's the subject matter here? Leadership. Yes? The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. In other words, the, the person who listens will be like the one who speaks. So if I won't preach healing, you'll never have, because you'll never be greater than what you heard. This is why when people think things like, you know, you know pastor, we should keep them poor. Pastor shouldn't have nothing. What are you talking about? They got to go before you. They can't help you get into these things if they can't get into them. Just like if they can't get into healing, you're not going to be able to get into healing. Watch what he says. 
And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? And see, people think about this as judging. Right? But what's the subject matter? Okay. What does a beam do? Listen. Right back there. See that thing runs across there? It's black. That's a beam. There's beams. These, these, these pillars have a beam on top of them. What does a beam do? She just said it. Say it again. It supports. So in other words, what your leader supports. You can't talk about the splinter until you deal with the beam. Because the way they see it is the way you'll see it. So if they think you should be poor, if they think sickness or disease is teaching you a lesson from God, that beam is going to become your beam. The same word beam is, is translated in Hebrew as rib. When it says God took rib from Adam and made Eve, she's a beam. What is she supposed to do? That's why, ladies, stop underestimating your power in a, in a relationship. You're the beam. Nobody can build a house. It's not good for man to be alone. Why? Because he ain't got no beam. That's why God made it that way. All right. Y'all made me do it. Just remember, you made me do this. One last place. Can I have that time? Thank you, because I was going to take it anyway. First Timothy 5, 17. Do we have the contemporary English version back there? By any chance? Yes, no, maybe so. Is that a no? I can't see y'all lights right here, so. Are they saying no? Okay. All right. First Timothy 5, 17. That was amen and baby. <laughs> Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor especially they who labor in word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward, right? Do you have just an uh, easy read or anything <laughs> back there, y'all? Just give me something else. E- easy read would be great if you have it. Verse 17. You got that one or no? Yo, y'all got to come up. You ready? I'll read it to you. Contemporary English version. Please pay attention. Church leaders who do their job well should be paid twice as much, especially if they work hard at preaching and teaching. It is just as the scripture says, don't muzzle an ox when you are using it to grind grain. You also know the saying, workers are worthy of their pay. Now, I'm going to say something to you, because I don't have this problem here. I really don't. Y'all are very honorable to me. But I'm saying it for the sake of anybody else who's listening. When people think things like, well, why does the pastor have this, and why does he drive that, and why does he do that? First of all, I have multiple businesses, first of all, but I shouldn't have to do all that. Because the Bible says that I should be paid double. Double what? Double what? Whose income? So wait a minute. So then if I picked anybody and said double your income, 
Is that accurate? No. Because I'd have to find who makes the most money in here. And then double theirs. <laughs> Can't be double mine. It's got to be, if he's saying they're worthy because they labor in preaching and teaching, they're worthy of double honor. And that word double honor means double pay. Why well, get so quiet? But then people say, well, I think we should just keep pastor poor. Pastor shouldn't prosper. No, let's, let's do this. Let's understand how this works. I want all of us. We can all go. Why? You want to know why? Because we can do so much. Could you imagine what it would look like? As, as, and this is what it's it turning out to be. So you won't have to imagine much because we're already moving in that direction. But can you imagine what it looks like when we're all at a place where we can write checks where the bank will bounce? The things we can influence and do for the kingdom. It's not free. This stuff has finances associated with it. Tell me how Coca-Cola can put Coca-Cola on every continent in the world, and they did it, was it, like 15 years? That was their goal, to put Coca-Cola on every continent in the world, and they accomplished it in 15 years. We have been preaching the gospel for 2,000 years, and we still haven't gotten it everywhere. You're okay with Coca-Cola CEO having a plane, but don't let a pastor get one. Then you got something to say about how much it costs. As if God's sitting up there going, oh me. <laughs> Jesus, look how much they spent. Now I got to make more. See, people don't understand how these things work. They don't realize you'll never be greater than your teacher. That's why I hold the standard so high for myself. Because I'm steadily trying to get out there so I can bring everybody with us. People don't even understand. They're like, well, why do you do this leadership conference for business owners? Because I want them to grow. Well, why isn't it free? Because you don't value what's free. You just don't. If you did, if you really valued what was free, you would have heard 90% of what I say. You would have heard it already over the last... 11, 12 years I've been preaching. <laughs> Why? Because we're going somewhere. Amen. I understand the mission and the assignment. But you can't get nowhere further than where people have already been. They've got to be in front of you. This is why he said you'll never go greater than your teacher. The responsibility is as a teacher is to get out in front of the student and begin to bring things so the student can grow. That way we get there all together. That's why you know I'll preach about healing. You know I preach about prosperity. You know I peace, uh, preach about having peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. You know why? Because I know that if we are people that can get a hold of those things, and we are believers that can get a hold and get our hands on somebody, get our heads wrapped around, get it deep into our spirit, we are going places. Things are going to change. We're going to be effective for the kingdom. We're going to do damage to this world. Why? Because we are not of this world. We are merely in this world. I didn't come here to get overtaken. I came here to take over. We have a responsibility in this world. And it's high time we understand what it is and start getting after it. 
The reason why you come here, you come here to get developed and trained to go back out there. So the people looking at you, they hate you, great. If you don't have haters, you are not gifted. If you are sitting there going, I don't know, nobody hates me, everybody loves me, then you are a person who walks down the middle of the road and you're getting hit by traffic going both ways. But there's a point where when you start choosing sides, people are going to hate you. And that's fine. Because as you're bringing glory to God, they'll begin to see. Because let me tell you something. I can't tell you how many people have made fun of me for the things I've said, the things I believe, the things I preach, the things I've gone through. But guess what? Come hell or high water, when all hell breaks loose in their life, guess who they on the phone with? Um, you, you, you think, uh, you want to apologize for all that stuff you said first? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about because they call you. You know them people. Always talking about, oh, you just think you this, that, and the third. When all hell breaks loose in their life, who are they calling? You. Why are they calling you? Because they know you are a container of the glory of God so that humanity may be out. They know where you walk, miracles happen. They know everywhere you put your foot, things start to change. They know. They can see it. They're jealous of it. That's why they're mad. And all the while, if they would do what you do, they can have what you have. The Lord is good. Father, we thank you. So grateful for the things you reveal unto us. We're so grateful for the word that you give us, Father. We thank you that this continues to fire off on the inside of us. It helps us to understand the divine nature of what the church is responsible to do. The way you set it up, the way you structured it and organized it. The way you gave gifts unto men to help them to perfect and lead and guide. And to take them into the next levels that you have for them, Father. And we understand it's the gift that you have given us. We don't become too enamored with the gift because we are in love with the giver. But we thank you you didn't leave us here as orphans. We thank you you didn't leave us here powerless. We thank you you gave us the gifts to help us to get where you're taking us. We thank you for it. We honor it. We cherish it. We trust it. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. All the believers in the house said, Amen. amen. Isn't God good?